What's up, InFaith family? Welcome to another episode of the InFaith podcast, where we just fellowship over Bible topics and study God's Word, be able to fellowship over that and uh, be blessed enough to do it on this platform and um, bring it to somewhere where anybody can listen from anywhere. But before we get started, Steve, you have some potential uh, news moving forward with a a course that you're taking through your church. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm currently taking a rooted course um, at church. I think it's a really good church, a course that sort of faces you, uh, forces you, I should say. Maybe I shouldn't say. (laughs) But the course itself helps you go through what Christianity is to begin with uh, in a very uh, personal way. So what it is, as far as each person having their own personal relationship with Jesus and coming to that understanding, but then moving past it and saying, now that you do know Jesus, like what do you do with it? What does it mean in your life? And then how do you tell others about that? And, you know, they call it telling your story mm-hmm. in the middle of it. You know, and there's also a week where we... uh we break strongholds, so the men separate from the women, and you basically uh, go through and talk about what are the strongholds in your life. You know, even though you're a believer in Christ, things can linger on, you know, and we see that sometimes with Paul, where he talks about, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and I uh, don't do the things I want to do, and we find ourselves in that. You know, I think it's um, it's it's interesting and powerful, and I don't even know how to put it all. So that when you first come to Christ, there's things He takes away, and that you're so glad He took away um, things from you. And there's things that He gives you, um, you know, such as that new heart, such as that ability to start looking at other people with love rather than looking at them in a way of being. Um, you know, I don't know, you mean like competition or uh, someone you have to watch out for or size up or not worry about or, well, you know, however that type of thinking went through your head before. But then you can actually see a person that has hopes and dreams and fears and things have happened to them over their life. Um, so he gives us things and he takes some things away, but he leaves stuff that we have to work out on our own. You know, the big fancy word, sanctification, mm-hmm. is just that us working out that salvation that we already have, you know, as we come to know that our salvation is a one-time thing, justification. We are justified in the eyes of God with Jesus' blood cloaking us, but our lives don't always 
look fully that way, you know, and that's sanctification keeps going to keep working it out and really rooted just is dealing with that some that uh, you still have stuff hanging on, but you don't have to have it hanging on. If, uh, if you want it gone, it'll be gone. You just got to deal with it. And Christ is going to help you and uh, push you through. I mean, it's already the fact that you want it gone <laughs> is, is a testimony unto Jesus itself. Yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, once you are, you know, sometimes we can get to a place where we think, well, you know, I'm saved. I'm going to go to church and be in my holy huddle and hang out with my uh, Christian friends. And all of us are going to be saved together. And uh, we just were ready for Jesus to come back because we're all saved together. But that's not at all what Jesus called us to do. Not even in the least. We're reading about Paul that uh, ran off as a missionary everywhere, you know, and took off his journeys. And it was hard. But God's called us to do the same thing. He's called us uh, to make disciples of people, you know, in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Not just baptize them, but also make disciples of them. That's spending time. That's uh, teaching. That's uh, helping people when they need help. You know, we've talked about it here in that little uh, bit. Uh, it's kind of like a parable that Jesus tells, but it's also like a snippet of the of the judgment seat where he asked, you know, or uh, those that were saved, they said, you know, he says to them, when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. You visited me when I was in hospital or prison. And they were like, well, we, we never saw you that way, Lord. He says, but when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So he's called us to that as well. And I know once, for me, for someone like me anyway, you know, so I feel like one of the big differences when I was first saved is that uh, the Spirit drove me into His Word. I mean, I felt like I had to read the Bible every day. There were days I read one verse. I didn't like it. Maybe I read it several times. Maybe I didn't understand it. Maybe I didn't know what was going on, but I read it. And I went back the next day and I read again. I remember even, you know, all the lists of names. Somebody begat somebody else and they begat somebody else. I read each person's name because I felt like it was scripture. And I should, and I'm not telling, I'm not, this isn't, if you're going to the Bible to um, study for something or whatever, I'm not, there's nothing wrong if you skip through a few names and all that. But I felt like when I was doing it, I had to. And I remember then going back and forth even with those names. Hey, is this the guy? Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> it's been time flipping pages, by the way, which I haven't mastered being able to do that electronically. Flipping pages to me is way easier than trying to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can search for that name electronically easier. But anyway, that's an aside. Mm -hmm. For me, I got pushed into the word. Other people, you know, they are, they're praying. All of a sudden, they're praying all the time and they're in front of God. Mm -hmm. um, I connect, connected with his word and, uh, and read the whole Bible. And mind you, I wasn't a reader. I was someone who read, you know, a magazine article every now and then, that type of thing. But I read the whole Bible. And none of this one-year stuff. It was a year and nine months that it took me to go through the whole Bible. I kind of feel like that nine, that 
one-year thing would have been a detriment to me. There was no way I would have gotten through the Bible. And I did. I tried doing one of those. Uh-huh. But I spent so much time trying to get the context because it would have the Old Testament part and the New Testament part. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, wait, what happened before this? <laughs> I'd be looking to see what happened before it. And then I would, you know, it would just take too long. So, well, and that kind of throws me off too, how they have so many different um, studies that you can get through the Bible in X amount of time. So it just makes me wonder, like, what are they leaving out? Or is it like this crammed in session? It's, so I'm a slow reader too. So the amount that they say you need to read for me, I'm like, that's, you know, 30 minutes of reading. And they're like, oh, do 12 minutes. Like, it won't take me 12 minutes. It'll t- <laughs> it takes a normal person 12 minutes. It takes me 30 minutes. Yeah, I find myself having to go back and read things over and over and over. Because when I get to, I can read for so long. Yeah. And then it all starts to become blurry. So then I got to go back and keep reading because I could read out the words, but it won't register. Right. Of what I'm actually reading. So I think it would take me longer than a year and nine months well, to get through the Bible. Actually, it's taken me more than seven years to five, six, seven years to get through. I still don't think I've made it through front and back. Well, or front to back. It's interesting what you say because if I just grabbed the Bible and thought, I'm going to read. And then scurry off uh, to work or whatever. Then I would have to go back. If I'm not reading in the presence of God, if I'm not reading and asking for his wisdom and help in reading it, half the time I'm just reading words and I have to go back and say, what was that? I don't even know what I just read. So it's reading in the presence of God and asking for his wisdom that really gets us there. Yeah, or to ask for it to stick, too. I mean, yeah. me especially, I I could read something and then wake up the next day, forget everything I just read. Yeah. But for some reason, I just don't retain it. So I have to continue to go over and right. over and over and over. So your root aid graduation will be coming up? <laughs> so it we will get to be. hear your testimony? Huh. Yeah, I know. That's... It's kind of... I hate to have to say this, but I've, I've seen a root aid graduation before. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that I wanted to take it, but but it's like I don't want to go to graduation because I don't I don't even know what to write on the card, mm-hmm. right? Where they're like, "Oh, this is what I was before rooted. This is what I am after rooted," you know. And uh, it's like, "This is what I was before rooted—a Christian struggling to be a good Christian. This is what I am after rooted." A co-host a of a podcast struggling show. To yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, a great Christian. Right. Tiffany you know. knows. I mean, it's like, yes, I went through it. It was it's a good experience and it does help. I think the best thing about uh Rooted that I've found is that it shows you it's serious business. Mm-hmm. It's not a flippant, hey, yeah, I'm, you know, out of hell free card or something. That's just garbage. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. It's a life-changing, life-enveloping, yeah. um, life-purpose-giving kind of thing. Yeah, because I feel like the closer you get to Christ, it opens your eyes even more to realizing that the trials and the tribulations have just begun. Oh, yeah. And it even, you know, makes you more aware that they're going to be coming one right after the other almost. and. It just kind of gets you armored up and ready to fight those battles. But it it 
I mean, honestly, it's just preparing you for the for the battle. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good thing, but it just it opens up that I don't know. I want to say like that third eye to you realizing like, whoa, like what I thought was was a fight really isn't what a spiritual battle is like. So, totally and understand. I wish I wish so much of that wasn't in me. Right. So to say. Right. It's a lot of that battle is against myself and against all the, eh, this isn't so bad type thinking. Right. Because, you know, when I you're have. going through it, you're yeah. like, oh, I wasn't that bad of a person. And then you're learning more and more about, you know, the Bible and Christ and everything else. And you're trying to change your ways 100%. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Guess I, I really was. <laughs> I remember a few years ago that, that, you know, when you're first a Christian, and uh, you'll do something, and then you'll go, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. You know, that's a sin. That's that's the old me, or whatever." And then years into it, I realize every time I sin, I'm purposely sinning now because I know it's a sin before I do it. That that again, that hits a whole different. That's a whole spot other there. game. That's a whole yeah. other. It's all me. It's all my heart that isn't. Mm-hmm truly following christ my heart that's still saying i want to control that i want to do that i want to be mm-hmm. whatever you know that's non-surrender of so yeah. many things and it's really like for me a lot of the battle was he's changing me and transforming me into what he wants me to be slowly but you know he is and then i'm realizing like not everybody is on the same path in the same level right and so like i'm trying to stay away from being that like judgmental person where i'm like Mm. oh you we all shouldn't be doing this why are you still doing it kind of thing and i'm just trying to like steer away from being that person and just trying to give it to god like okay on your time you're gonna transform them into where you want them to be but they're just not there yet or we're just not on the same path well and i heard something the other day when you said slowly um it made me think of something because it's not a slowly but surely situation is not necessarily a bad thing i heard the other day um that anything that's worth it is a slow progress process yeah yeah it's a it's a a slow but long burn you know so i think it's great when you know we can say it's a it's a slow change because i i believe that when we when God softens our heart and he's changing us slowly over time, he's taking his time doing it. You know, he's not just, we don't just wake up, change the next day, and then um, have to have this ability to learn, relearn our whole lives overnight. Well, you know, and it, and it would be cool to wake up tomorrow. Yeah, wake up tomorrow and just say, oh, I'm a brand new person and yeah. my, my brain's rewired and mm-hmm. we could just put a different chip in and we're, <laughs> we're, we're saved. But I also love, Steve, you, you said something a while back. You said it's not a get out of hell free card. And I think it's amazing to, to be able to look at it that way because I think sometimes we do. We, we perceive the day we got saved. We received our salvation that now we're, we have immunity. And can just go back to the same life that we've been living. But it's almost like we 
when once we receive that salvation, we understand why we're receiving it. We're going before God and saying, I'm ready to be transformed and saved to the person that you created me to be. And if we receive that salvation, we go right back to the life we're living. We're, we're not, we're, we're taking that for granted. We're not seeking who God is and who he's made us to be and who he can recreate us in his, in his eyes to be. You know, we're, we're going right back and we're kind of throwing that salvation away, thinking it is a get-out-of-hell-free card. Yeah, so it seems like there's a lot in all of this conversation. Tiffany, when you were talking about uh, not wanting to, to judge other people and, you know, we're all in different places and stuff, I find that even comes true in the different ways that God talks to each of us. Mm-hmm. Like how he'll, you know, talk to me or how he'll talk to you. And of course, I don't mean verbally, but I right. mean um, the nudges, the thoughts that come into my head that I know aren't my thoughts because they're really good. So. <laughs> but but sometimes it's like he he tells us all through here and paul is the one that fleshes that out in a lot of his letters about there's the body of christ and he needs all of us well he wants all of us to work together right god it's it's our privilege that god's using us to change his kingdom um and he wants us to work together and i think a piece of that is a different way that he talks to each of us and the different things that he tells each of us mm-hmm. and that i can't get jealous that you heard something or had a great truth from god i need to accept that that's from god because a lot of times you know i'm arrogant enough that i'm like huh, well i didn't hear that so so it must not be true. Right. It can't be from God. I didn't hear it. God, I'm God's best buddy. You know, he'll tell me <laughs> stuff. But no, he tells all of us different, differently and tells us different things. If I won't accept something that, that you've heard, and that is a, you know, is a, is a great truth. And, and again, I'm not talking about hearing something on the level of scripture. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about hearing of an application yeah. of something, you know. Yeah, we all have a different job. Yeah. And we've got to accept each other, you know, without that jealousy mm-hmm. or without that questioning or the, oh, well, David thinks he's all that. Mm, he's hearing from God. I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, he is all that, Steve. Okay. Oh, well, I don't, You're I don't right. I'm just far, jealous. But, um, <laughs> no, and, and it, it makes sense because, you know, each of us have a different role in the body of Christ. Right. And and we're each called to a different purpose. And we may be called to the same purpose and in, in, in different ways. Right. And that's what brings us all together in unity. But you know, you make a really good point and I won't get too deep into this, but I, I mean I've 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 crossed people who um kind of get caught up in that. That uh if if God didn't give it to them, then it must not be from God, you know, and it's, I think it's important to stay grounded and, and like you said, accept that God speaks to everyone individually in different ways. And we could be, we could in fact be shutting the door on a blessing that was meant for all of us by not thinking that, um, 
God gave somebody else something to bring to the table, you know, but it's true. I mean, we each have a different part. Um, God speaks to all of us individually in different ways. And another amazing part is God works on each of us in different ways, in different times. Yeah. You know, and I, I shouldn't, since we were talking about rooted, I should note that essentially this rooted is evangelism to the United States. The writers of this um, class are all from outside of uh, the U.S. I think one of the main writers is from Sri Lanka. Really? You know, so they're bringing their best practices and what they've observed and everything and almost coming back and teaching those who thought they were the great, you know, missionaries and evangelists and stuff, <laughs> bring it back. Well, I mean, God's word is worldwide. Yeah. You know, it's not just meant for a specific area. It's, man, well, of course he created the world, so why wouldn't his, his word apply to the world? Yeah. Well, David, something you said earlier, too, had me thinking, you were like, you know, about how it takes time and nothing that is worth having. Um, to me, I'm thinking nothing that's worth having is easy right. to obtain. Absolutely. Because Some, sometimes I'm afraid the reason that it takes, in my case anyway, as long as it does, is because of how slow I am <laughs> at accepting, you know, what God is doing uh, for me or, or showing me or anything else. That it's it's me that's slowing him down, not necessarily that God um, wants to go that slowly in my life. Um, I'm just that stubborn. Well, I don't know, because God can do all things. So I feel like, and I'm, I'm not saying this is correct, I'm just saying I feel like if he wanted you to learn faster, you would. Well, or he would make it so you will, or, you know, I think but sometimes... But if we have but I, free wills... See, yeah, see, and that's where I, I kind of sit the on that fence, too, is I know we hinder our own ability to grow. Yeah. I know we can. Because and I, I know we do. I would use it as an excuse otherwise. Well, if God wanted me to be different than, you know, oh, the male chauvinist pig that yeah. I am, he would make me different. Than... <laughs> okay. I could see how I could, yeah, I could see how that... Re that uh, but who's putting those thoughts into your brain there, Steve? Those are not from Jesus. So maybe I'm coming up with excuses saying, <laughs> I haven't learned faster because God has a slow time for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just nothing kidding. I just negative said that. comes from Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Amen. But yeah, we could, we could um, hinder or slow our process, I believe. We did by being stubborn, you know, like you said. But I know, I mean, we know you've been in this class for a while, Steve, and I kind of feel bad. I, I put you on the spot there without but giving you a heads up. But we're excited to go to your graduation. We really are. We really are. It's I'm looking forward to it. It's in our calendar, our family calendar. We'll be there. And I may have given you the wrong date. I'm uh -oh. sorry. That's okay. It can be changed. <laughs> but uh, the, the cool thing is, is it, last night when we were talking, you said you just finished up some homework. So even today, I'm like, you know, we should kind of talk about this a little bit and see where your progress is because... Um, how long is that class? It's not something you just took. It's 10 like, weeks. Okay. So of, yeah, it's a of intense things. And then a couple of weeks leading up to graduation after that. So I guess it ends up being 11, 12 weeks altogether. So it's something you really take your time on and, and focus in on. It's not a, 
you know, a, a two week, two Saturday class. And then you're, you're, here's your certificate. Right. And you're specifically going through the class with a group of people, you know, and, and this day and age, it's nice that uh, we have the group texts because mm-hmm. that is an automatic group text where people can send prayers out for each other and requests if they're, you know, getting into, kind of like you mentioned, getting into a class like this where you're taking uh, Jesus seriously, where you're taking yeah. all of this seriously, you can feel attacked pretty oh, fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just started a few weeks ago our marriage class and right off the bat, like it's always, it always right. comes. We so. haven't talked to each other in two weeks. Yeah, I know. So well, I mean, nothing, again, uh, how worth it would it be if it came without trial? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously he's trying to block a blessing, but we're not going to let it happen, right? I keep pushing through. Amen. Yeah, you can't you can't give credit where it's not due. So trying to block a blessing, nobody could. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could hinder it, but nobody else could get in the way of that. And uh, I think we we it's important to stay mindful of that. That uh, even when we when we're talking about um, the things that the enemy's trying to do or what he. He's trying to block and and trying to sway us away from something. He he has no power. He only has enough power than what we give him. He's a dog on a leash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we allow him to, we can't even blame him because we allowed it, knowing otherwise. Well, I think it's hard to think of it this way, but it shows us at the beginning of Job that God allows Oh, yeah. He brings a lot of the trials, though, because he wants us to, he He, brings the storms. He uses. He wants it to use it to grow us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He allows there continue to be evil in the world, Mm -hmm. but works it through for our good. Yes. Which, by the way, doesn't feel good and we don't like it, but somehow it's needed. Yeah. I mean, what did you say earlier, Steve? I mean, it's, we're not meant to be comfortable here. No. So. Well, amen, Steve. I appreciate you sharing that and um, just talking over your progress um, before we jumped into where we left off at with uh, with Paul. And before we get started into that, I just want to give a quick shout out to a few people. We put a post out on the um, In Faith Podcast Facebook page just to kind of put it out there, see where people are listening. We did get a few responses, and I'd just like to uh, give a shout out to some of our listeners and hope that that blesses them. Um, so yeah, shout out to uh, Clayson in Kentucky, Ron in Colorado, and and James from Mississippi. Got a few people uh, reacting with the Facebook page. It's Woo-hoo. nice confirmation to uh, keep listening know, and tell yeah, your friends. Family. Amen. It's good confirmation to us to let us know that people are out there listening and that uh, you know what God put on our heart is is being spread, and that's all we want to do. We just want to spread God's word and um kind of give a little bit of testimony. I mean, even the stories we share, they're not all uh, sunshine and rainbows, you know, it's, Mm. it's, it's not an easy walk when, when you become a Christian and we're actually told it's in the scriptures, you know, that, that this walk isn't going to be without trial. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be worth it. Yeah. And we're actually told that we're going to cross more trials than somebody who doesn't even bother going down that road. Right. But, um, we are promised it's worth it. Yeah, as Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, 
but take heed, I have overcome the world. Yeah. Amen. 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 So leaving off last week where we were talking about in the journey of Paul, and we, we kind of, he, he, he's still, we're still referring to him as Saul. And you brought up a really good point too on how possibly, and I don't think we ever covered or got to cover or even maybe we should look it up, but. Mm, that sounds in, like homework I didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like homework I don't want to do. Uh, my, my dogs ate it. My dogs ate it. Mm-hmm. Um, they ate the Bible. Mm-hmm. But we weren't sure we were talking about how. On your phone. On one side um, where Paul was from, um, his name was Saul. That was more of his, what was it, his Hebrew name? Right, after the first king of Israel. Yeah, and then Saul. we were thinking, like, what, what about on the other side? Because in he other was, countries. Because well, he was born, born in Tarsus, uh, which would be on the coast of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. Um, that, that was like a Roman province mm-hmm. that his name was Paul to them yeah um and i think we see that this isn't you know in a lot of uh the name changes that we see like peter um it's jesus that changes his name but in the case of uh saul it's not a uh name change it's not like jesus told him you're now going to be named no as Paul. Right. That was just his Roman name, and he started using his Roman name uh, as he became, you know, very specifically the apostle to the Gentile, as he uh, really got to where he didn't even go specifically to all the synagogues first, like he did when he when he first went to town, you know. Uh, then he was visiting his churches he started. But right. anyway. So maybe we could look into that a little bit further and maybe the, the answer will be revealed to us. Well, if, we will. If it was a name changer, if it was kind of just he picked up a name he already had that was no, separate it, from. It specifically says in Acts, I forget, we'll come to it very soon, of, uh, you know, that this um, was basically where he started going by Paul. Okay. Good deal. Well, we're not there yet. Correct. We left off, we're still uh, referring to him as Saul, but he leaves Jerusalem where Jesus spoke to him um, and spoke to him again uh, through kind of a trance that he fell into. And what Jesus told him was, you need to leave. Yeah. You need to leave Jerusalem. They're not going to accept your story about me. Right. They're not going to accept your, your teaching. They're not going to accept your testimony. Get out of there now. So he leaves Jerusalem. He goes back to Tarsus, where, again, like you said, he was originally from. And... So we, we then see that the, the church in Jerusalem hears of some growth happening in Antioch. So they sent Barnabas to go check it out. Barnabas goes, he sees that there's people from all over teaching, right? And that there was, in fact, a, a lot of growth happening. But to kind of ensure that the, the, you know, the proper word of God was being taught, Barnabas goes to Tarsus to get Saul and then brings him to Antioch. So that's kind of where we're at in, in, in his journey. Now he's traveling with Barnabas, and they're going to Antioch to continue there. Right. There's, And it doesn't tell us here, but people that uh, 
trying to put together a timeline and figure out how long Paul was in certain places based on, you know, there are some markers that tell us, um, you know, approximately where it was at different times, like when he was talking later on where he's talking to Festus and you come across documents that say when he was in power and stuff like that, that they then try to piece together the timeline. So those who have pieced together timelines of Paul feel like after he left Jerusalem and went to Tarsus, that he was there for a number of years. This wasn't just a few months or something, but that he was in Tarsus uh, for a number of years, sort of maturing in the gospel before he uh, went back with Barnabas to Antioch. Hmm. Interesting. So what is that timeline? The timeline right here is they think it might be something like seven years that he stayed in Tarsus before going back to Antioch. Before going back? Yeah. With so, Barnabas? With Barnabas, right. So Barnabas was in Jerusalem all that time, and uh, the church in Jerusalem you know, heard of the growth and everything going on in Antioch, which, by the way, they were in Antioch to start with. It's sort of full circle <laughs> because of the uh, persecution that Paul was involved in as Saul, as that persecution drove the Christians out of Jerusalem and Antioch uh, was one of the places that they settled. So it's kind of that interesting thing of people are in Antioch, the Christians are in Antioch because Saul's the one that drove them out of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And now he's going over to Antioch to make sure the real word of Christ is, is taught there. I think it's fascinating to see timelines and I know they're kind of projected or estimated, right? but just to get but a better idea. They're not guesses. When you go into how these timelines are come up with, it, there's literally documents out there, like such as I said, when Paul is talking to Festus and Felix and, and these different timelines of who's in power, right? Uh, even the different Herods, Herod the Tetrarch and Herod uh, Antipas and all those. Because of the dates when they were in power, they're better able to, uh, you know, estimate when uh, Paul would have been where, so to say. Uh, so that's how they put the timelines together through. It's like an educated guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're using Project, real, projected or estimated real historical information to yeah. to get us there, not just a. I feel like Paul would have stayed there a while. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to think, too, because sometimes we don't see that just right off the, the reading of the scriptures. Yeah. Like, because it doesn't tell we, us in we the Bible no way how long knowing, he was there. Right, yeah. right. We had no way of knowing how far he was in Egypt, you know, how, how far he was in, or how long he was, um, he stayed in Tarsus, how long he was uh, even in Antioch, just yeah. from reading the scriptures. Right. So I think it's cool to, to be able to, to, Figure that and, and Although, project it or estimate it and then give us a better idea. I think it does kind of say he was there for a year in Antioch. <laughs> I'm not sure. Seems like that. And we'll get there. And we'll get there. But uh, we'll start off today in 3, chapter 13, in Acts chapter 13, I'm sorry, um, verse 1. And we'll start there and read that among the prophets and teachers 
of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, and Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. And one day, verse 2, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. And I think it's amazing, too, how they were in prayer and fasting when they were spoken to. And then in verse 3, we read, after more fasting and prayer. So they continued to fast and pray and put their hands on on Barnabas and Saul to kind of anoint and, and pray them out, you know, out into doing what God had them to do, right? Right. Well, I think that's a important thing for us to, in any church, any church appointed, you know, positions or actions, we want to seek the Holy Spirit. We want to make sure that uh, we're doing it on His guidance. Sometimes it's, you know, we don't feel like we've heard anything. Maybe we're pushing it. Yeah, you got to be spirit led. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't want to do any activity that's not spirit led. Right. And I think even further in our flesh, we think that uh, I think it's important to stay in, in prayer and stay guided because sometimes we don't even want to do what God has us to do. Right. So let's say they weren't fasting and praying and they were just like, oh, well, you know, God spoke. We, you two are, uh, you two are going. To do work for him now, go. <laughs> you know, without the the uh, the fasting and prayer, I don't think we well, would have much motivation to. Well, I don't think we would hear it. We're not going to hear God telling us what to do if we're not fasting and praying. Yeah, and, uh, we were just going over at church um, in Bible study. Um, there's a lot of topics that you know Christians don't want to talk about. I want to bring it up because it has such um, scrutiny, such. It's very judgmental. It's they're right. harsh topics that nobody wants to talk about, i.e., abortion, homosexuality, right. those right. kind of things. And I mean, our pastor did amazing talking about it, Pastor Teresa. But it was definitely something that was really hard for her to speak on. That she was praying about it. She was yeah. fasting about it. She was like, "It's, it's not something that I can just come out because I don't want to." be judge judgy but at the same time i need to say what jesus wants me to say and so it was a a lot to kind of it was hard for me to see her struggle talking about these topics right um because they're just so controversial but um you know sometimes those things just had to be said sometimes sometimes i'm afraid the church has a hard time talking about it now because of how poorly we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. That we have come out all on the side of, we've taken the bait a lot of times too. Right. uh, Because we, we take the bait from outside the church, from the world where they want to say, what do you think about, you know, whatever it is, what do you think about abortion? 
you know, and, and you can easily take that bait and just, you know, talk about all the lions wrong and everything. The, the problem is anybody who's had one feels that that is judgment on top of them personally, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're saying that. So you're blowing the first step of loving the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of bad stuff going on in the world. And guess who, guess who helps us realize what the bad stuff is? Well, it's Jesus that helps mm-hmm. us realize his Holy Spirit convicts us. Yeah. When we believe on him, prior to believing on him, we're not convicted of everything that's right. wrong. We may know it's wrong. Uh, I can put that in air quotes. Nobody yeah. can see it. But we're not convicted in our hearts that it's wrong until we've believed on Jesus. You know, so, and we all have a past. We all have a before Jesus where we've all done things, you know, and sadly, like we talked about before, we keep doing things that are outside of what Christ would have us do. So the way to go about these issues, you know, like really what does, you know, what does the church think about abortion? Well, we we think that uh, it is in the world and we think it's affected a lot of people and we think Jesus has power over abortion just like he has power over everything else in the world. Mm -hmm. And if your life has been scarred by that, then Jesus is still the answer. Right. That's what we think about abortion. Right. Well, and I think, too, when you talk about how poorly we've talked about it in the past, that's what I'm referring to when, you know, when I, and I've mentioned it before, but when, when I talk about dropping the ball as Christians, how we have dropped the ball on it is, even out there in ministry, um, Christians in itself as a whole tended to focus more on the sin yeah. than anything. So a lot of the reason I believe that it's, becoming so hard to talk about is because of how it's gone about in the past. We went straight to the sin, yep. condemned the sin, and then walked away. There, there was no show of the love of Christ. There was no show of mercy. Grace, there was mercy, no show yeah. of grace. There was no show of forgiveness. There was just, you're what you're sinner. doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, repent now or burn in hell. Yeah. And I'm off the... And I could be wrong, but sometimes I think... That's like fear-based. Right. Yeah. That's fear-based preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm afraid that if I don't tell them how bad this is, you know, that I'm going to be in trouble. I'm the watchman on the wall. I have to tell everybody all the sins of the world. But that's not... Jesus wants a relationship with everybody. Right. Relationships are not fear-based. Those aren't real relationships. Or forceful. That's, yeah. Um, so... To have a loving relationship with someone doesn't start by pointing out right. all their wrongs. Yeah, all right. It doesn't start right. that way. You got to lead them. You have to lead them to G or lead them to Jesus, and then let Jesus handle and cleanse yeah. and save. And you know what I mean. Right. It, we we tend to and and there's nothing wrong with discussing and pointing out the sin. But to judge the sin and then turn pointing away. Pointing out the sin, yeah. but not pointing the finger at the sinner. Yeah. That's, and it's, you it's, know, they're two different things. Two different things. Yeah. But, and, but also, sin is not the main point. Right. That's the whole thing we have to have out there. Sin's not the main point. Knowing Jesus is the main point. Every last person on the earth has sinned. Absolutely. And they have chosen to sin. 
So there's mm-hmm. no difference here. We're talking exactly the same to everybody. Yeah. I mean, we're born into sin. Yeah. So that's right. We're born into sin. And for us to elevate some over others and, right. and stuff like that. We're all on the same level. We don't need to do it. Receiving your salvation doesn't make you immune to sin. So I mean, even even the the (laughs) Christian on the the standing out on the corner pointing and prodding on the sin is a sin within itself because now we're claiming that we're perfect. The the judge. Yeah. And we're not any any mistakes. Yeah, no. Well, it's it's a heart. I mean, there's heart checks all over everything that Jesus said. Absolutely. You know, when we look like you know, I've said it before on here too, where there's some of these parables, he talks about people that believe they're saved, believe they're Christians. We've got that parable of the 10 virgins where five of them had enough oil, five of them didn't. They were all looking for the return of Christ. They were all churchgoers. They were all actively involved and they were all praying. But only half of them were actually believers. Mm. The other half didn't actually know Jesus. That's scary for all of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that heart check of, do I actually know Jesus? Do I believe him? You know, do I know that this Bible is his word and he's speaking to me? Does it mean something? Does it mean when I do sin, am I upset because I disappointed Jesus in sinning? Because that's a whole nother thought, you know, now that that if I sin, I've basically done it on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. there's very few times that it isn't thought out ahead of time. Right. I sinned, I knew it was wrong, and I didn't care that I hurt Jesus in the process. Yeah. I don't know how often we actually think about that. And in a relationship, shouldn't we? I mean. Oh, we should, Definitely. You know, I mean, unfortunately, we screw up relationships like that, too. We get stuck thinking about what we want, and we don't care how upset and how much we hurt our spouse because we're thinking about what we think, maybe not even what we want, but what we think is right. And we end up hurting our spouse, pushing on what we think is right, rather than being concerned about the person. It's always about the other person, not what's, air quotes, right. I feel like I do that a lot in, in in trying to make a point. I stress so hard about trying to make a point that I'm not thinking about how I'm delivering that point to. Right. You want to win the argument. We do that with Jesus too. Whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. We <laughs> we call that evangelism sometimes. <laughs> we act like arguing with somebody is what evangelism means. It's not. Right. It's not at all. <laughs> and trying to win an argument is probably less likely to bring someone to Christ than many other things. Well, and I've said this before, and I've experienced it firsthand, that sometimes the loudest ministry that you can do is one with no words at all. No words at all. Just action. Just by your walk, you can show who Jesus is and not even mention a single word. You think Jesus slept in till 10 sometimes on Saturday? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did he even sleep at all? Sometimes I wonder. No, he did. He was tired. I mean, that's the thing. He was fully human. Right. Uh, when he walked on this earth, as well as fully God, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, 
joking about that because I feel like, you know, then we end up feeling guilty. Like I had all these things I could do today. Instead, I lounged about till 10 o'clock. You know what I did after that? Yeah, we slept in. I got up and lounged about another four hours after that. <laughs> watching you don't want to hear what time we woke up today. And it was, well, I think it was. What a, happened was. It was a continuous wake up. I woke, woke up, up early first. Then it was cold. So I laid back down, fell back asleep. Yeah. You know, that and, happens. And it's fully acceptable. I'll sleep through a tornado. Uh, nothing wakes me up until she comes in and she's like, this is what time it is. And I'm jumping out of bed like I slept half my day away. <laughs> kind of did. Noon is kind of half of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. But let's continue on in Paul's first missionary journey in, in verse 4, in chapter 13, verse 4. And I'm going to need... so. A lot of you may not know this yet, but you're going to come to learn this very quick. I have the hardest time pronouncing some of these names and verses. So Steve here, you're going to hopefully help me out with a couple of them as I read, but um, we'll, we'll get to that when we cross that bridge. So in chapter 13, verse 4, we get to see how Paul's uh, first missionary journey kind of gets started. So, um, So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia. Seleucia, thank you. And then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with, the, with them as their assistant. In verse 6, afterward, they traveled from, the, from town to town across the entire island, until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, also a, a, a false prophet, well, the Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet, named Bar-Jesus. Mm. You remember Bar-Jesus? I remember this in a, in a, in a study that I, that I led a while back. We, uh, we, we made quite the... Uh, spectacle out of this guy here but uh anyway continuing verse 7 he had attached himself to the governor sergius sergius paulus paulus who was an intelligent man the governor invited barnabas and saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of god so now since um since i basically became an expert on cyprus by watching a 10-minute clip on it. <laughs> on, uh, that works for me. <laughs> I mean, what better but way? Excellent. But it's interesting. Yeah, that, Theologist. Uh, this is talking about how Cyprus was actually a fairly, you know, we think it's this little island out there. Like, who cares? It's there in the Mediterranean. But apparently it has a lot of copper on it. So it was an important island that uh, was uh, ruled by like many, many different uh, kingdoms, I believe. Someone can fact check this. I think it's in the European Union today. Isn't that weird? I think we have to fact check that. But my 10-minute YouTube clip uh, <laughs> said that. <laughs> anyway, it is interesting too. Again, it's just the details that the Bible gives us. Mm -hmm. So where it talks about... Uh, the where they arrived in Salamis, and then they made it all the way to Paphos. That is from one tip of the island to the other. 
okay. all the way through. You know, and the island has been ruled by more than one kingdom at a time and split in half even during those times uh, to where those two different tips were actually under different rule even. Oh, well. So I think it was interesting in reading that, you know, and just seeing as I looked at this also, I was like, hey, that's just, I mean, just more details that the Bible uses that help us see the, you know, that it's not just something thrown together to try to convince people to believe something. Because that's what a lot of people think the Bible is. Oh, these, you know, people that want you to believe something, they threw a bunch of stuff together and all that. But it's reliable. It's historically accurate. It gives details that uh, you wouldn't give at all if you were just throwing something together. So that's what I know about Cyprus from a uh, 10-minute clip of which I remembered 20 seconds. Well, that was all you needed to remember. That was the important <laughs> stuff that you could go and uh, bring that to the podcast. The YouTube certified theologian, Steve. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Can I get a certificate off of YouTube for that? Maybe. Email them. See if they'll send you one. <laughs> so help me out with this name in verse 8. Alamus. Alamus. I never know if I'm pronouncing these right, but that's okay. But we don't. We don't either. We just say it. As just if, say it and yeah. say it confidently. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, here we are, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. And then said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, and enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? In verse 11, watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time, and instantly, Mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began grope, groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Does that sound like anything familiar? Yeah. I mean, Same thing we just with, saw with that Paul. happen to Saul. Yeah. yeah. So when the governor saw that had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Now... We're going to get into this. He we're, said, you son of a devil. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into <laughs> this down fun. the road. But the reason, uh, going back on the reason we, we got to make such kind of a spectacle of this sorcerer, you know, was because, spoiler alert, right, down the road, he will become a believer as well. We're going to read that in, in Acts. But um, it, it was just funny to me because uh, he's going to soon then ask Paul, you know, how, how much he starts to see the miracles, you know, he's, he starts to believe that, that he can obtain this, right. this miracle to lay hands on people and heal them, but not knowing it comes through God. So he, he, he thinks it's something that, that Paul and Barnabas just bought. He's yeah. like, Hey, can I you buy can that buy from power, you? Right. Yeah. Can, can, <laughs> how much, how much 
do you want for me well, to obtain this power? And that's too? how the world works, uh-huh. right? We can buy whatever we want to buy here on Earth. Uh, and that's why our economy is nothing like God's economy. Almost, mm-hmm. yeah. We, we can almost buy anything. Not not anything worth it. Yeah, and I was yeah. going to say not to the extent of um, I can just go out right now and buy anything I want, but in this world there is a price on just about anything. But what comes without price that we read in Scripture is our salvation. It comes without price. It's free. It's free, and the only thing we need to do is... Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Accept it and surrender. Yeah. It's not easy. Doesn't cost a dime. But it's free. But do you think we also use that as our excuse too, is it's easier to try and persuade someone to give you salvation, right, with money or an offering rather than surrendering to God? I don't know that we always say it's easier, but we want to be in control of it. And we want to have done it for ourselves. We're so arrogant that we don't want to give anyone else credit. So we want to say we bought it. We did it. We did it on our own. I saved myself. Right. And here's why why I'll (laughs) say easier. Because if... Let me live my life and then I'll come and surrender. Yeah. No. Here's why I say it's easier. If salvation was something that was posted on the internet, you know, or posted down at the store. I wouldn't believe it. With a price on it, it would be easier to pull out your credit card and say, you know what, I I, I could uh, receive this salvation, swipe your card, walk home saved, right? That's easier than surrendering our whole lives to God. Oh. That's easier than surrendering and completely laying our sins at his feet. Right. And I'm not saying it's easier on paper. I'm saying it's easier to what we can understand. So even your analogy, you have to go down to the store and buy it every day. You would. But what if it was a one-time payment? You couldn't afford it. Right. Somebody could. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's just that, that kind of, yeah. it's just that, it's you just an analogy. That, you know who that somebody is? Jesus. Very good. And I love him. And he's the only one who could afford it. Yeah, with his own blood. Would you die for your salvation? Would you be that sacrifice for everyone in their salvation? We don't. I think we're missing the point. No, we, we, we get your point. We understand yeah. that that's what we want. But in reality, that's, like that's how big it want. is. Yeah. That's how big it is. And yeah. we discount it. We discount our salvation. We want to be able to save ourselves, but we can't. Right. It wouldn't matter how many things we bought that said it was saving us. Yeah, there's no amount of money in the world. Absolutely. So I get your point. That is what we want. And that would be easier. But we can't do it. We're, we're willing to keep throwing money at it. Oh, yeah. We'll throw money at it after throwing money after it after throwing money after it. So we'd and, finance it if yeah. it was a possibility. I hate to say even. it, but a lot of churches were probably built on people throwing money at it that way. Because they're not willing to fully lay their lives down. But 
But throwing money at well, things go to church and tithe. makes me makes us feel better. If I throw money at it, then then I feel better about well, it. When you talk about tithe, it's important to know that we 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 have to do that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Not because somebody's up there saying, Well, God says you should. Well, and you kind of have to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Because we use that excuse, or I do. I won't throw everybody else in it. I use that excuse. Well, I'm not sure what they're doing is worthy of my tithe. <laughs> yeah, you don't know where it's going or whatever. Yeah, I have to see the financials. What is this expense? <laughs> well, how, how much I mean, of my tithe? It's your job, that? right? <laughs> it has been my job. <laughs> so I can see why you question where it's going. Well, I think we naturally... But we just got to trust that God's going to use it to, for his glory. And that's it. I think naturally, in the flesh, we want to know where our donations are going. But but reality. if you're tithing with a whole heart, you're, the Bible says to tithe and not look back. It's for us, right. You make That's the right point, David, that it's for us, not right. for whomever we're giving it to. It says to give wholeheartedly. Because God you know, gave it to us. Basically, we're supposed to tithe and not think about it. Right. We've received a paycheck from our employer, but it's God who's provided. Absolutely. It's God who's provided our employer. It's God who's provided us a job, a means of it. Mm-hmm. We Continues have a, to provide. We have a harder time today because we're not connected to, say, we're not connected to where our food comes from so much because we use money to get it. Mm-hmm. If we're farmers and we're dependent on God to send the rain, then we know how dependent we are on God sending the rain. You know, if we're ranchers, how dependent we are on that rain and, and uh, you know, our cattle to reproduce and stuff like right, that. Right. Where we know our dependence on God without a doubt when we're in the midst of that. But it's when there's more parties involved that it just comes down to you receiving a paycheck. It's harder to feel the connection with God providing it, though he is. Still the one providing everything. Right. And how we're supposed to give him the first of our money, not the last or what's left over. Right. And before ACH, where they could suck it out on the same day I got paid, then it was really hard to (laughs) to do that first thing. Yeah. The auto pay, auto pay get you every time. But I think we do get caught up in, in, doing our financials, and then factoring our tithe. We do. I uh, have that embarrassing story of I tithed with Visa and MasterCard to start with. I did not change my life at all. But Mm -hmm. I said, oh, I'm supposed to tithe. So I started tithing. Funny how my debt just went up and up and up. Steve was like, this card gives me cash back. (laughs) (laughs) It's like God giving me cash back. Yeah, I was really stupid. I mean, you don't know you're doing that. That was one of the 3% cash backs. He was like, okay. Right? How much do I get back if I tithe with it? I get 3% back at the restaurant. Yeah. Like, what about 10% God? Yeah. I mean, you don't know it at the time, you know, but essentially that's what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't sacrifice anything. 
I just tried to throw a tithe in on top of it. Mm. What is the safer way to go if you're going to, you know, spend on over the internet? Do a credit card first, you know? Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, how, you know, like when I told you earlier about being stubborn, I'm also stupid. So <laughs> it's like tithing Stop borrowed it. money. You yeah. Know, you weren't, we're not tithing uh, what God provided. Yeah. Right. Right. We're not, we're not uh, tithing what, what God yeah. provided. We're tithing the, uh, the borrowed money. I mean, that's probably why Visa and MasterCard are so blessed, all that tithing that they've been doing through their, uh, through their cards. You reminded me of a story that is probably best left untold over the air, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it one day. I do want to continue out just a little bit further before <laughs> we have to end the episode. Um, so we can continue in, in verse 13 where Paul preaches or continues. He preaches in Antioch of Poseidia. Help me out with that one. Pisidia? Pamphylia? Is that the one? No. Right before 13. Poseidia. Okay. That's different. It wouldn't be it different, Steve, if you were looking at the study <laughs> notes. Okay. If you were looking from. at the... I provided Pamphylia. all of us. You got Okay, you guys bagged on me so much last week for not <laughs> no, distributing the study Paul notes. I finally distribute the study notes and you don't pull them up. <laughs> I shipped from Pamphylia, landing oh. at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. And by the way, this is a different Antioch. This Antioch would be further into what is modern day Turkey, Turkey further west. West. Very inland. Ooh. Wow. She's Look at you. Hello. I studied a little. <laughs> she's. Hey. Yes. Yes. She's, <laughs> I was only the expert on Cypher. Clearly, Tiffany is the expert on... She's watching some YouTube videos of her own. <laughs> inland, guys. Inland. Center of... More center. Okay. Gonna hype you up a little bit there. I I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. Amen. So on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So, of course, verse 16, Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you, God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation, of Israel, chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then, with a powerful arm, he led them out of their, the, their slavery. In verse 18, he put up, he, excuse me, he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan, and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. 
All this took about 450 years. And after that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. And continuing in verse 21, Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now let's back up real quick. Let's back up to where God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel, the prophet. The people begged for a king. Mm. And God gave them Saul, son of Kish. And right? you, know, you know what Samuel did? He told them not to beg for a king. That they shouldn't want a king. That God was their king. And he was. God led the people of Israel and was their king. And Samuel warned them, if you have a king, he's going to conscript your uh, sons, put them in an army. He's going to tax you. He's going to do all these things that all the kings do. And Samuel was actually kind of hurt by this too. You know, He was the judge at the time, and God said, hey, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me as their king. It's kind of scary to think of that. Uh, but that had happened, you know, sort of over and over. Everybody wants, it's like we all want this cushion between us and God because we feel safer. <laughs> and that's kind of what was going on here. There's like, mm, we want we want some more cushion there. We want a king to lead us like that. Yeah. He can talk to God and he'll lead us. You remember Moses, when he would... Uh, Right. Talk to God, and he's coming down glowing and stuff, and they don't want any part of that. Like, uh, we don't want to talk to you mm. when you're like that. Well, and I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that was one of those kind of be careful what you wish for type moments. When yeah. they beg God for a king. Right. What did they end up with? Right. Certainly the kingdom of Israel just had one king after another. That's when they had split, and Judah was, was separate. Uh, and, you know, Every other king for Judah was decent, but Israel just had one wicked king after the other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, because they're human, and they they did. You know, the good ones talked to God and, and had led as well as they could and trusted God, but uh, that goes on to us today. Nobody can be between us, you know. Sometimes we want saints to be between us where we can pray to specific saints for different things, but it's directly to God that he's telling us we can have that curtain that's torn and we mm -hmm. don't have to go between anybody that it's directly to God that we get to go right that we get to go we get to right. amen <laughs> if we can trust him that we're justified in his sight then we'll go directly to him because I mean we know we're still sinful we know that we're still the only reason that we can stand before him is because Jesus has died for us. But once we'll fully, fully accept that mm -hmm. and know that we then can stand in front of him trusting on Christ, then we'll go straight to him. But our tendency is still to want to back that up a little bit. Well, you know, the saints will pray for me and I'll pray to the saints because that's not really scary. That's not God. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
really good points. I was thinking of it also as like having that buffer that maybe they fear going straight to God. Yeah. And it's easier to talk to someone in fear of, oh, well, if you bring this to him, then right. he'll. Because you have favor. Right. We have, we have favor too. Have you ever done that? <laughs> right. Have you ever done that? Being, been afraid to tell somebody something or talk yep. to somebody and then you go to like your mutual friend. And you're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe if you say it, all the time. they'll listen. Yeah. Like when you ask, like when you're a kid and you ask like your friend to ask your mom if you could stay the night. Yeah. Because you don't want your mom to tell you no, but she oh, won't yeah. say no to them. She won't say no to your friend. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Do you think we get like, caught up in that with God? Yeah, we do. Like you said, you, you pray to the saints because it's not God. Yeah. Like, like they're going to turn around and go tell God for you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I well, mean, yeah, different religions, and I think I think we do that to each other too. Well, a guardian when we're angel, like, okay, well, you know, yeah. we want our guardian angel to talk to God for us, also, you know, all of that, anything that you know keeps me from having <laughs> to be in His judgmental present eyes, you know, if we're thinking of it that way, mm -hmm. because it's love that's enveloping. So God has lots of characteristics, but He is love, right? Well, it's like being that person too that always asks somebody for prayer but won't pray for pray themselves. themselves yeah, yeah. Right. yeah as if you know like uh somebody else's prayer is gonna save me well what's... and it's it, okay so before we we go on that rant prayer is a powerful thing okay i will say prayer is a powerful thing there's power in prayer and there's power in numbers of prayer right but it's only going to be as powerful as it should be if you, you are also praying for yourself mm -hmm. right you're in the midst of praying while others are praying for you and you have to believe in who you. you're praying to, right. yeah. you know? And we, we, we would talk about it all the time in ministry, how we can pray for you, but we can't pray in place of you. Right. So what it would come out to is we can pray for you, but we can't pray for you. Meaning we can't pray in place of you. We can't right. walk for you. We can lead you. We can guide you. We can point you in the direction you need to go, but we cannot get you there. What's strange is that I hadn't run into this that much, but I actually ran into a guy. It's like he was afraid to pray because he was afraid he was going to pray wrong. Mm. So, I mean, somewhere there's been some bad teaching around yeah. that would warn you against that, you know, and I, I mean, clearly if you're... Even, you know, like like Jesus might say, if you just have a mustard seed of belief yeah. and faith in God, then whatever prayer you throw up is something that he's going to hear. Just the smallest, are you there, God, mm -hmm. prayer. If you're honestly, earnestly seeking God mm -hmm. as a prayer he's going to hear. So it's... To me, that was super sad to hear someone yeah. be afraid to pray because he's going to do it wrong. Well, and I've experienced that too. Even even within myself, I've experienced that on how, and not necessarily because I was taught there's a certain way to pray, but I think in our own minds we get, we psych ourselves out because we hear somebody else pray. And they're we, so good at right, it. Right. And they think <laughs> we, we, we perceive that to be yeah. the, the, 
the basis of prayer. We perceive that to be that that's what prayer needs to look like in order for God to hear us. And sometimes God hears us loudest when we can't even get our words out. Sure. You know, so it, it, it goes right back to in the beginning of this episode, you talking about it being a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a heart condition. God knows what we, we mean to say. Yeah. yeah. He knows what we need before we even come to him. Right. He just wants us to come. Draw with close him. to him. Well, yeah. he, he tells us that we're his sons and daughters. Right. So do you want your son and daughter to rehearse something before they come and tell you? Do you want them afraid to come and ask you for things? I mean, there's, of course, there's respect. There's the same thing, just like when we're praying to God. Mm-hmm. We have respect for God. We have awe for who he is and all that. But we don't want it to be a non-genuine, a non, I don't know, heartfelt deal. Yeah, I mean, definitely don't want them to be afraid to come and talk to us about anything. But yes, in the same sense, you do want your kids to be God-fearing. Yeah. You know, so. So, I, I mean, I just, it's kind of funny too, right? Because like you said, I have thought the same thing, that uh, you don't want your kids to worry about coming to talk to you about anything and then i ended up hearing stuff i didn't want to hear right <laughs> and then you're like but then you mm. remember wow okay like well i They're trusting us with this I, <laughs> right i guess i invited this in now i have to deal with it right like okay what do i do with this now dang open door policies <laughs> <laughs> right uh, yeah god's better at that than i am oh for sure oh yeah we can try and imitate it but i mean I don't I don't think we we don't have it in us to come at it as gracefully to mm-hmm. others as he's come to us, but I, I don't think that's an excuse either to not well try, I, you know. And I think he's given us, right? He gives us his love. We're able to love other people because God gives us his love. Mm-hmm. And it flows through us and out of us like streams of living water. But I realize too, we're never gonna know that until we realize. The, the the amount of love yeah. that God's given us. How how I mean, because we can easily know we've been forgiven and loved by God, and then not give that. Yeah. So we have to know and we have to realize how God responded to our mess. To know that that's how He expects us to respond to others, not respond to them as we would respond to them respond to them as he did with us well yeah and that's through his love yeah so we're, I mean, not, we're not gonna know how until we accept that and, and die, realize die I, I would have to respond by just being quiet and giving it to jesus like god you need to fix this and sometimes we do <laughs> and sometimes that's the best thing we can do yes bite the tongue give it to god right and he will lead yeah. Now I that's see the look advice. coming. Uh, yeah, that's I'm, really good yeah, advice. Exactly. <laughs> I'm 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 seeing it come out of the side of my eye here. I see that look in my peripheral. I'm not being judgmental. I'm at not all. saying. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I mastered this. She's actually just praying. I, I read I, it. Lord Jesus. I read help, it in a book once. Help him hear this. Help him hear this. <laughs> I, 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 I know say, you gave him the words, Lord. I didn't help say I mastered it. it. I never never it. said I mastered it. Um, 
but I did read it in this book once. It's it's called, called the, the Bible. Holy Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll send I've read you one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we thank you for joining us today. <laughs> and, On that uh, note, we we pray and hope that you uh, continue to join us again next week as we continue um, this fellowship and and a little bit of Paul's journey. So we thank you guys and God bless. Before we end this episode, I just want to give everybody listening, anybody listening who just doesn't feel that they're right with God or haven't come to God yet, haven't proclaimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to just repeat this prayer along with me. So Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your free gift of salvation and for answering my prayers. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.